chapter. We ended yesterday on the eighth chapter talking about the Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest. And I brought those, I do have those pages that I told you I was to bring you about different verses about violations of the Sabbath. But I'm going to skip verse 9 for today. I'm skipping verse 9 and I'll come back to it. It's I'll incorporate it later, but we'll go to verse 10, talking about blindness. It says that his watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving their slumber. He's talking about not only the false prophets, but he was talking about Israel, the leaders of Israel, the religious, political, parents, whoever it be. Those that are watchmen, I won't go back over a watchman or whatever, but we all, in a sense, God has made us a watchman, and we have the obligation to watch out for it. But you're not a very good watchman if you're blind. And physical blindness mirrors spiritual blindness. I tell you, that which is physical is not what is real, that which is physical is not real, but spiritual is what is real. That's from the Sabbath day thing yesterday. Um, in the Amplified Version, that verse reads, Israel's watchmen are blind. They are all without knowledge. They are all mute dogs. They cannot bark. Panning, lying down, they love to slumber. The Living Version reads, For the leaders of my people, the Lord's watchmen, his shepherds are all blind to every danger. I think that encompasses more of what we're seeing here. His shepherds are all blind to every danger. They are feather-brained and give no warning when danger comes. They love to, they love to lie there, love to sleep and to dream. I'll talk about those in a different setting. Loving to lie there, sleep, slumber, and dream. Uh, the living, I mean, the King James says, sleeping, lying down, and loving the sun. Because we know sleeping, a form of relaxation of sleep, just like we were talking about self-pleasure yesterday, is all physical characteristics of a person that's more or less self-centered. Because idleness is kind of signs of the devil or whatever, and God has us busy, and we have a consistency of going. We think of something that has being, that's living, it's movement. Spiritual watch, spiritual watch. The book of Isaiah, the sixth and second chapter, sixth verse says, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed and stationed watchmen, that is, prophets, who will never keep silent day or night. You who profess the Lord, take no rest for yourselves. Not only prophets, I tell you. But that those that watch for our souls, whether it's pastors, spiritual leaders, whether it's your parents, if your parents doesn't want a child or just let them go, you have a problem with the parent. He's not being a proper authority. Governmental officials or whoever they may be, their job is they're appointed to watch for the people and do for the people and not be careless and allow things to come up on the people. Uh, 
Jeremiah, the 6th chapter, 17th verse says, I have set watchmen over you, saying, listen and pay attention to the warning sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not listen. And that's Israel people and that's God's people consistently. That's even today, those that supposedly are God's people will not listen. They won't pay attention to warnings. They won't pay attention to preaching or teaching. They're not, they're not hearing. They don't have spiritual ears to hear. Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter, the 17th verse says, Son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman to the house of Israel. Whenever you hear words of my mouth, warn them from me. And as I told you, we're to do work of evangelists. He that is born again, that have salvation, should be caring for the good news of the gospel. In that great commission that Jesus made in 28, Matthew 28, 19, and go into all the world making disciples, that's encumbered on all of us to let our light so shine that men would see our light. There are those that are in darkness that won't see that light. There are those that dwell in darkness, not just physical darkness, but spiritual darkness. The book of Hebrews, bringing that home to the New Testament, the 13th chapter of Hebrews, the 17th verse says, Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them, recognizing their authority over you. For they are keeping watch over your souls and continually guarding your spiritual welfare as those who will give account of their stewardship of you. Let them do this with joy and not with grief and groans, for this would be of no benefit to you. So I, it's my job to warn you. It's my job to tell you as it is yours to tell others. And she was saying about your granddaughter, you wanted to look out and you was worried about her well-being, where she would be at and who would she be with or whatever, because we have a tendency to get carried away with pleasure and associations and walk off in darkness, not knowing where someone is or where to pick them up or what their location or, or what's going on. It leaves you in the dark and you don't want to be in ignorance. And that's what God says, that his leaders, his people are ignorant, they're dumb. In other words, signing a warning or saying something. And a lot of people have a fearful spirit. God says he didn't give his people a spirit of fear. You should say something. A lot of people say, I'm just shy. I don't like to say a thing. Well, no, it's something else wrong with you. There's a deeper problem than just having a fear of man. God says in the book of Proverbs, the fear of man is a snare. Spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. Isaiah 59 and 10. I'll read this in two different versions here. It says, we grope for a wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at midday as in the twilight. Among those who are healthy, we are like dead men. That's the Amplified the Living Version says, No wonder you grope like blind men and stumble along in broad daylight. Yes, even at the brightest noontime, as though it were the darkest night, no wonder you are like corpses when compared with vigorous young men. It's because either Satan had blinded you or God had blinded you. The things of this world, because 
disobedience to God means you're walking in darkness or you continue to walk in darkness. You leave the word. You leave God's light. We know God's word is a light unto your path. It's a lamp unto your feet. So there's a, a thing of walking in darkness, whether physical or spiritual. The book of Matthew, 6th chapter, 23rd verse, brings this in a little bit more closely in on, on the individual. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is clear, that is, spiritually perceptive, the mind is circumcised that you have discernment. He says, your whole body will be full of light, that is, benefiting from God's precept because God's word lights the way God's word gives you a clear view of life and discernment and the things within life. He says, but if your eye is bad, that is, you're spiritually blind, your whole body will be full of darkness. That is, it could be devoid of God's precepts and what God is saying and is leading and prompting, not only leading to spiritual darkness, but physical darkness. So if the very light inside you, that is your inner self, your heart, your conscience is darkness, how great and terrible is that darkness? Because there's nothing to give you a sense of direction, a sense of purpose, uh, anything. If, if you don't know where you're going, you don't, you won't end up anywhere, I guess. You know, if you don't have a goal, a place, a direction, you know, you went, ended up wandering and groping about. The Amplified Version reads, well, that's the Amplified Version. The Living Version says, the light of the body is the eye. Uh, no, this is the King James Version, I'm sorry. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thine whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? And that's a, without an inner conversion, that's without the light. Jesus said he was the light of the world that coming into the world that lighted every man. We'll focus upon that a little bit more in a minute. Keep these pages. I want to keep them in thing because I, I did something. Uh, something happened on my computer, and I've been researching it with Microsoft Word. It's, it's been happening with some other people with this newer version of Word. And I'm going to ask my wife about our Microsoft prescription or whatever. But for some reason, another Word is not letting me number the sequential pages. Put put numbers on the pages. So. If you get your pages, make sure you keep them stable because there's no longer numbers on them. Matthew 15 and 14 says, Then the disciples came and said to Jesus, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended with you when they heard you say this? This is another confrontation that he had with the Pharisees about uh, the things in the world and the people and the preachers and he offended them. 15th chapter, and he said, he answered and says, every plant which my heavenly father did not plant will be torn up at the roots. Leave them alone. They are blind guides, leading blind followers. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. You don't have to straighten every religious person out 
It's a time in this day and age when, especially, that's why I say your enemy will be those of your own household or whatever, because maybe your spouse goes to a different church than you are, and your children goes to different religious organizations or church you are. It's nothing strange for everybody in the different people in the household to be following different ministers or denominations or different religions, even though it's Christianity. But you, they may be offended at some of your beliefs. Or you, you, I, you remember yesterday when I was talking about the doctrines and Sabbath and everything. They may not understand, but Jesus says, leave them alone. If the blind leads the blind, they both will fall in the ditch. Well, you can't straighten them out until a man that thinks he see. You can't tell him he, he can't see. Right. That's going to be his problem. If you notice, Jesus didn't go around make keeping the Pharisees in track of trying to, you know, get them straight and instruct them or whatever. He went around declaring the gospel and preaching and teaching that what he did. There was obstructionists, and they meant to tell him and get him straight now. You need to stay the course, because if you start following others, you'll be just as blind as they are. And that's why he says that the blind lead the blind. You you have a sin doctrine, that opening scripture that you read. Was that something from the sower, sows the seed, or something about? See, because with different preachings and teachers, there are different results come about. And if a person don't see something, it's that's what this is coming from. It goes all the way back to Isaiah, the second chapter, I think it is. He says they will have ears to hear, but not hear. They have eyes to see, but not sleep. They they won't be able to understand. God had said it that way. So there are a lot of people. I, you know, I have compassion and feel for them. But they will lack understanding and knowledge, and that's what he's saying here. That there'll be a lot without knowledge. That they're walking in darkness. He say his people perish for a lack of knowledge. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. But it's incumbent on a person to say, "I don't understand. I don't know." Make this clearer to me. To realize their vulnerability, to realize their weakness to realize the dependency in needing Jesus and needing the Word of God, needing the Spirit of God. But nowadays, you can't tell anybody anything, you know, but just as much as you are more. So you leave that person alone. We, we're not argumentative of getting in an argument with somebody over these things. Because there's certain preachings and teachings in this world that change a person's perception or what is right, or whatever, because there's a religion, there's a lot of religion that teaches that godliness is gain, that prosperity and money is what the church should be doing, and that's how a lot, of, that's what most of the religions and most of what Christianity is looking at now, the profitability of religion. That's why Jesus is talking about this. The blind, he said, it was the blind leaders. And they're leading the blind because these people have a propensity. They love the, these leaders. They love this wrongness. They love worldliness. They love self-pleasure. They love the things of the world. That's why Satan's ministers are transforming themselves into ministers of life. They're, they're taking over the churches. They're within the churches. 
and they're preaching and teaching in the church. Jesus knew this. That was one of the parables, and that was one of the says he was saying about let the wheat and tear grow up together. He knew he had sown good seed, but the devil came along and sowed bad seed. And he said, let them all come together. I said, my angels are sitting in and separate them at the end, uh, at harvest time. So he speaks of fighting against the church. Paul speaks of that's good because that way the bad or the wicked, wicked it can be made manifest. Because a lot of people are not realizing it. One of the people that I study and father that he died this year, I think John Reichenbach or whatever. He used to, he was a teacher in the world, the greater church of God or whatever it is. But it came from under some of the things that I used to study with Herbert W. Armstrong and Ron Dot and the rest of the teachers. But it's some of their teaching that's wrong. Just like I, I don't agree with him on this teaching. From Second Corinthians, in which the, a number of people agree upon and commentaries and things, but Satan has it that way. To, you have to be way of doctrine. That is an instruction because it blinds you. Jesus told us to do what the Pharisees say, but he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. He was talking about that doctrine. Yeah. See, because Satan is the God of this world. Second Corinthians 4 and 4, but don't read a little bit further up than that. It says, but in fact their minds were hardened, for they had lost the ability to understand, for until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is only removed in Christ. People that study the law, and that's what we were talking about the Sabbath the other day, that don't understand about the Sabbath rest, that Jesus is our Sabbath, and they keep the Sabbath in a legalistic way, they're blind because they're, they're looking unto the law and the things of the law, and they're bound by the law, but there's liberty in Christ Jesus. So we have the light of, another version reads, not only Moses' face was veiled, but his people's minds and understanding will fail and blind it too. Even now when the scripture is read, it seems as though Jewish hearts and minds are covered by a thick veil because they cannot see and understand the real meaning of the scriptures. For this veil of misunderstanding can be removed only by believing in Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can get this veil removed is through Jesus Christ, through grace and truth. But those under the law, those that be any other doctrine, any other study, and that's why it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, only Jesus Christ can open blinded eyes. So that he says that he had blinded us, provoked the Gentiles so they wouldn't understand or whatever. And he had closed just like the disciples on the road to Amanus. They was blind to who Christ was, and he started in the Old Testament in speaking of his Messiahship, of who he was. But he was withholding from them. In other words, they couldn't see him for who he was. They were talking about that they had lost hope because the Messiah, Jesus, the one who had crucified, they was hoping that he 
would be their deliverer. He would be their Messiah. He said, and they were saying, you're the only one that don't know what has happened. But at supper time, in breaking of bread, he opened up their eyes to where they could see. God has to open our eyes. There's a spiritual veil. There's a spiritual depth. All since back in Adam, back with Adam, that when he was put out of the garden, hindered from eating of the tree of life and living forever, that God had set them to where not only physical blindness and death, it was spiritual, which was the greater of the two. But the physical blindness mirrors the spiritual blindness. That's what I want to do in my next two, my next point. Let me get these two scriptures here out of the way and I come back to that point. Ephesians 4.18 says, but now for their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning is clouded. Maybe I'll include, I'll include these later on in a different place. I think I'll inject and try to get back to those who won't mess me up. But this started with backward heaven, but sight is like specks in a mirror. And you, and you, you remember on your real view, Mirror, if you have on your rear view mirror on your car, you'll notice that there's some little writing wrote in that rear view mirror. Objects in that mirror are closer than they appear. They're much closer to you than they appear in that mirror. In the book of Second Samuel, the 12th chapter, first to the 7th verse, Nathan had to teach David the seriousness and repulsiveness of concealed sins by seeing it mirrored in someone else. So he came in and told David about the man that took the ewe lamb, someone else's lamb, and that instead of using his own lamb, he killed this man who only had one lamb. And David said that that man shall die. It so repulsed him and made him so mad at what that man had did, instead of issuing a right and a just judgment, because the judgment would have meant that he would repay fourfold. Some cases, I think it's more than fourfold or whatever, but there's reparation of that which was taken. But it was so repulsive and reprehensible in David's sight that he said, that that man should die. That's when Nathan dropped the boom on him. Then he said, you that man, David. Yeah. You that man. What you did with Bathsheba and Uriah and had Uriah killed by the sword. God often uses negative behaviors in, in people with whom we come in contact to reflect the hideousness of our sins. In other words, you see how David reacted to that and what he wanted to do. That was showing David something that was in him. What you're seeing here, outside this, that's deep within you. That's why a lot of times a parent may, him and the son don't get along, or the daughter and the mother don't get along. That's because they're mirror images. 
that annoying that they're doing, that same annoying, is a reflection of you. You know, my mother and parents do it often. They say, well, you don't want to stay and you just wait till you get here and you wait till this happen to you. So when my daughter was doing something and she kept bugging my mother and going on, and my mother said, you know what? I'm so glad that this has happened to Emerson because this is the way he did me. And I can see that in my daughter. She could see that in my daughter. Those same characteristics that get to you, that ambition, the things that's in your children that you seeing in them and you're trying to desperately get them, that's you. That's who you was. That's how you were. A lot of times, that's what we dislike about somebody is that they have those, but we're blind to those characteristics in ourselves. We do those things, but we're blinded to those hidden things, so God has a mirror image. He gives you a physical image to try to show you something spiritual within you. The opposite is what is in that mirror. What's the reflection that you see? Like so many faults we see in others, they are often our shortcomings and failures. So the reason this so repulses a lot of people with homosexuality or whatever, maybe they insecurity. You know, a lot of people that hate women, a lot of people talk about this by a former president or whatever. He has a problem with strong women or with women, but doesn't that reflect a problem within himself? He has a fear. Everyone can see that. And some of the things of the people he launched out at, they said he's good for doing these things. And what it is, it shows narcissistic behavior. It shows narcissistic behavior that all of these things you see and that you point at. One of the writers or whatever was saying when he was talking about that Mexicans and the people from Mexico was coming in and they were conniving and they were criminals and they did all these things. You're talking about self. Be careful when judging judging others. We talked about that in Bible study last week out of the book of Romans about ye who judge others and you do the same yourself. Be careful because you fall victim to your own judgment. The book of Matthew, the seventh chapter, in the first verse says, Judge not, lest you be judged. For what measure you judge others which shall be measured unto you. It's easy to talk about other people's kids and what you see in other people's kids. But have you realized those thoughts are never in your children? Those are little darling angels. Those are gods that they don't do that, but you can see them in someone else's children. So the very things that we're blind to, this myoptic vision, this, this, what we can't see, God has to open our eyes, and sometimes God puts another individual there. He puts a critic, he puts something there, but he's saying about these false prophets that they can't see and they don't have the ability because they're lacking characteristics in other areas and that's why God turns us over to a reprobate mind because we reject his law on its face. 
In other words, without going into the church, Ahab says, uh, Asaph says, he had almost slipped until he went into the house of God. See, because when you start hearing biblical instructions, you start saying, well, let me study this word of God as I was saying, my Sabbath day rest. I tried to stay away from that television as much as possible. Yesterday, I didn't go home and lay down. I didn't watch that TV or whatever. Maybe 8 o'clock, 8.30. I said, no, I didn't watch the 6 o'clock news. You know, it records news or whatever. But that's God's day because if I could study the word except for these interventions, if I could get people not to bother me, that's God's day. I can research and look into God's word, and I can see a lot of me, that time in that relationship with God. He can show me, and I can look into the mirror of God's word, and now I can see me. can focus on me because God's word is showing me through his relationship my shortcomings, what's hindering me. He says, draw near to God, and he draw nigh to you. And then we looked and seen, he said, my salvation is near. But what we have to do is pull off the old man. Stop not looking at your faults and failures. Stop blaming other people and get the beam out of your own eyes. Get self-straightened. You can sit around and hate people, and the more you sit alone, and that's why they say it's not good for man to be alone. The more you sit off in the house or in a monastery or monk or whatever, but the more you're alone, the more you traject what other people is doing back onto them, and you will become almost antisocial to the point you will blame everybody else, and everybody's out to get you. You will be paranoid. The whole world is out to get you. Everybody's nobody loves you. Everybody's against you. You will be blind to the fact that it couldn't be that way if they won't go be Christians and it has to be Christ-loving people in the world because without loving your brother, you won't be able to love God. You can't serve God. And so you can't be a Christian with that type of perspective. You're blind and can't see it for all. Satan, the God of this world, is blinding your mind. Those that walk in dark, those that walk in darkness. John 11th chapter, 9th to the 10th verse. And that's what I say. This is spiritual. We have to take And People say, well, you're always spiritualizing things. So, spiritual mind and a heavenly mind, you know earthly good. That's why he says the kingdom of heaven is among us, that we need to walk down here with an eye toward God and that we in God's presence. And that's why we draw in nigh to him. We in the world, but not of the world. So John 11, chapter 19 to 10, verse says, The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were only recently going to stone you, and you are thinking of going back to Jerusalem again where they are? Jesus answered and said, Are there not twelve hours of light in the day? Anyone who walks in the daytime does not stumble, because he sees by the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because there is no light in him. He said this after they had said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. He says, but I'm going there to wake him up. The disciples answered, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. 
have a Jesus spoken of his, was speaking of his death because they thought that he was referring to natural sleep. So we have to be able to see scripture, understand the words of scripture, but we have to pray to God. We have to pray for understanding and pray that we see. Because if we're walking and think that we're fully clothed, that we have no need of nothing, we're led to sin. That's what the led to sin church was. They thought they were rich. They thought they had everything. They thought they had no need of anything. But Christ was outside the door. He says that you're blind. Notice that. You're blind, naked. They was in a disparity shape. He says, I wish that you were highly cold your knees. I would spew you out of my mouth. Because they could not understand or see their spiritual condition. There are a lot of people, and that's the thing about drugs and things, uh, uh, different things that have you out of your right mind, the demiot, the demon of the dairy and all of these people. They have a mind problem and sometimes sight is a mind problem is psychological and as you get older and with senility and dementia and different things it's a way of thinking or whatever that blinds the mind it puts you in a psychological state that you become dumbfounded that you can't move or you can't see that's because of Satan closing receptacles off to the truth Whereas a healing, when Jesus healing the blind, when he's healing the sick, he's healing people with psychosomatic disorders or whatever. What the Spirit does is remove the deception, the world of that Satan, the God of this world, brings on to you. That has locked your mind, that has put in your mind. It could put into your mind uh, different things to where you can't see clearly. And what Jesus do, he removed the scales to you realize that you're not paralyzed, that you're not weak, that you're not, that you can, he says, take your bed and rise up and walk. That he has a new mind, he has enough faith to believe that what Jesus said that he could do. Jesus faith, faith spoke faith feel words to him out of the natural order. These was in the spiritual order. He commanded him. He says, take that bed, rise up and walk. Where well, he had enough faith to believe. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can speak to out. You can do anything. So his faith in Christ and Christ speaking the faith will feel words. That's why we have to go around speaking faith feel words and not negative faith. What we can't do, what what what's what's going on in our life. I'm not saying, as some of the people, the word of faith people do, but this is in a spiritual growth process where you start believing that by His stripes you are healed. That scripturally, the woman had knew about the scriptures that said about the healing that was in the tassels in the priest's garment. So she broke through the crowd and said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. 
She believed that because God's word had made that statement. And then Jesus was standing there, she touched him, and the disciples standing around him, and she said, who had touched me? And he said, what do you mean, Peter and them, the disciples? Looking, what do you mean who touched you? All these people around you, thronging you, and you asking who touched you? Jesus said, somebody touched me. In other words, it, it was a different touch. You know, it's a different touch when somebody bothered me, but sometimes I'd be laying down, you know. It's not irritating or whatever, but it's a different touch than when my grandson come by and touch my granddaughter fool with her, push her head or push her something. That's a different touch than when I'm laying down on my wife touching me in my head and touching. The touch is different. The feel of the touch of a parent, of a touch of a loving touch, the touch that people beware of touching. That's why Jesus said, lay hands suddenly on no man, because of the transferal in that touch of whatever. So, this touch, he said, I felt virtue go out of me. He felt something leave him. Not that you can take anything away from God, but he felt this transfer, this healing. He said, somebody touched me. And that was the woman there. She said, it was I. See, because she had enough, as Paul said, when he lifted the man up and had by the head, because he said he saw that the man had faith to behold. See, we have to have faith to be able to see God. That's how he says, only the pure in heart would see God. Why? Because now I'm in a condition, I've pulled off the old man, I'm walking, and you, you, that's why you start having visions and sights, because he removed the scales, he removed the blindness from your eyes, because after a while you can see, this world is not real. Death has no power over you because there's no such thing as death. God had given you, Jesus, through Jesus Christ, he had given you eternal life. So he says, Lazarus is sleep. In other words, Lazarus is not dead. I don't want to get it into your mind that he's dead. He's just sleeping, and I'm going to go wake him up. And when he got to the grave, he says, Lazarus, come forth. So in Christian theology, with Christian talk, we said we may be sleeping in the Lord, but we're not dead. The saints die no more. So it's not in our mind, and we're not afraid to die. That's why some people have faith to be healed. I keep thinking that I'm going to lose, I don't know how many pounds, and I said I'll be working on it. I said it's a lot I'm going to start to do. You have to have a mind for that. You have to have faith. You have to have confidence in God's word, in Jesus Christ. He's going to remove all obstacles to the blindness of things that the deception that comes in this world because through hypnosis, psychology, and everything, you'll get into the mindset that you're so weak that you can't walk. You'll get into the mindset that you're so sick, I don't feel good. If you keep saying that after a while, you'll be bedridden. People can help you to the point because it's your state of mind. And that's why the doctors tell you with people with a better state of mind. Everything goes to the state of mind. That's why he says, I give you a new mind. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So if we will overcome the blindness in the world, that Jesus walked in the light, that he went around seeing things and it was going places and being led by the Spirit of God. He was led by, his path was light. 
He was walking in the light. The world's in darkness, but that's what I was telling you about in Ephesians, the fourth chapter here. The Gentiles still walk in darkness, but we walk in light. This world is in darkness. They can't see what's coming up on the world. But those of us, as we get closer to God, we start seeing what's coming up on the world. But the people don't come. That's why Christ comes with suddenality. That's why it's suddenly coming because you didn't even see that it was getting dark. You know, I keep telling you, I said, we didn't look like that time of year coming. They're going to have to switch that time at the one. You can see these things. So, as a parent, as a person in authority, as a watchman, you can start saying, I wouldn't put with them if you're, I, by their lifestyle, by different things that's going on, you can see that person slipping in the dark. And I want to tell you, don't work this time, but don't do these things. I, I was concerned with the Sabbath and my daughter or whatever, but her business is centered on weekends, Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays. And I'm saying about, well, what day you going to take off for the Lord's Day? What day you going to take off from work or whatever? But you remember I was telling you, Jesus is our Sabbath. The rest is in Christ. So if every day is the same according to your analogy, and Paul says some judge every day is the same. And I tell you, it's the same to me. There's no weekend to me. Every day is the same to me. So she says, well, Daddy, Monday is my day of rest, my off day or whatever. Now, she couldn't feed her family. You people just have to have faith in God or whatever. Well, okay. That's, you know, I said, we're not going to argue. We're going to leave somebody. If God has showed me that if I want to take Monday and Tuesday off, but Friday when they have their wedding rehearsals and they wedding things on Saturdays and different get-togethers on Sundays or whatever, those are the days that the world takes, and I'm worshiping God, and I'm working, but you able to, God has, in other words, we're saved by grace instead of legality, so those are the days of her business days, her working days. So Monday and Tuesday, she'll less off or whatever. But am I going to say, because if you work on this day, you're not saved? Didn't I show you that's why Christ, when he healed the, the paralytic, he healed a lame man that had been laying by the pool of Bethesda 38 years. And he came in and says, take up your bed and walk. And I said, now the Pharisees might have had a point here. Why did he go heal this guy of the paralytic that stretched out an arm and he healed him on the Sabbath? And I say, Jesus was healing on those days because if he had been sick 38 days or laying by that pool 38 years, he had been laying there waiting to it wasn't going to make that much difference if he'd waited for a day. If his home had been withered all that time, maybe he could have waited to that first day of the week for Jesus to heal him. But to prove the precepts of the law that his father's spirit working in that day, we had entered into his rest, and today is the day of the Lord. That's why to show them the principle that they wanted to kill him because he had healed on the Sabbath, he said, isn't it lawful for me to do good on the Sabbath? And he brought up about David. See, it's our perspective as to how we see these things. And that's what blindness does. God starts allowing you to see the world and discern things 
from his perspective. You want to see how God sees because three weeks back, along in this same teaching, these same chapters, I say, he says, my ways are not like your ways and my thoughts are not like. We're trying to see from God's perspective and from God's point of view. We understanding that? He says, let that same mind be to you that was in Christ Jesus. Let's see this better from God's perspective. Let's go a little bit further. I'm not going to make it where I want it to go today. John 12, 35 through 36, it says, We have heard from the law that the Christ is to remain forever. How then can you say the Son of Man be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, I am the light. Jesus said, the light is among you only a little while longer. Walk while you have the light. Keep on living by it so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. He is drifting aimlessly. While you have the light, believe it and trust in the light. Have faith in it. Hold on to it and rely on it. So you may become, listen to this, so you may become sons of light. That he is being filled with light as followers of God because he was that light. He was the light that came into the world. He lit the world and they didn't understand. He said, you have me for a little while longer. So they wasn't going to no longer have the light. The world was going to be back in darkness because you remember in the Old Testament he had given Jesus as a light unto the world. He was going to be given as a light in the Gentiles. So he was telling them to walk in that light while they had that light because darkness was going to come and they wasn't going to have that light to walk with it. But he says that we should walk in light as he's in light so we would become the lights of the world. When he's gone, we're the lights of the world so we should let our light so shine that men would see our light and give God the glory. We would walk, we would walk after his example and men would walk and follow us as they follow him. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Jesus says these things, then he then he left and hid himself from them. So Ephesians talks about the Gentiles. The Jews and the Gentiles, no matter who it is, if they hadn't been born again, they hadn't received of God's salvation, they're walking in darkness. We talked about last week and week before last in the last two weeks about the Sabbath and the units and the strangers enjoying the those that observe his Sabbath, keep his Sabbath, that it would be a blessing unto him. But it wouldn't be a blessing to all units. It wouldn't be a blessing to all strangers and, and to all Gentiles because some still walk in darkness. Very inclusive are those who are in the church. So listen at this, Ephesians four seventeen. This say, I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened. The understanding is dark, in other words, blind at night. Whereas he opens our understanding, he gives us light. He was the light of the world. Now, through his word, we are born again. We reflect 
him, just like the moon reflects the sunshine. It's a lesser light. The moon reflects the sun. We should reflect Jesus Christ. We're lesser light. He's the greater light. Our life should be a reflection of him. We're made in his image and his likeness. It says, don't be as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So they are alienated from eternal life from the life that God enjoys, the, the life of God, because to us, he says that we will have abundant life, we will have joy and peace that are in him that are open to that life. He says because of the blindness of their heart, because they still have that old darkened heart that has no light in it, so the whole body is in dark. Yeah. They hadn't received the seal of God. You remember when we talked about the seal of God in their forehead when God of his people. That's why God's people never lose hope. Hope waxes eternal. There's, there's not ever be an end to hope. Love is forever. is eternal. Faith is love. is forever. So God's people never lose faith. They never lose hope. They never lose love. So they always have that deal. I'm, I'm continually thinking, man, something big, big is going to happen this year. But I think something bigger will happen next year. And, you know, I keep thinking the reverse that, you know, that younger feeling that I can do it, that I feel better now than I did. You know, I'm kind of walking away from this shortness of breath that I had a few months back or whatever. It's not as bad now as it was then. And coming out of the library today, I'm walking a little bit straight up than I used to walk or whatever. And I, that's why I really don't walk with that cane because I can run in leaving places. But God, I walked in here with it. Yeah. Let's read that in the Amplified. It says, So this I say and solemnly affirm together with the Lord as in his presence, that you must no longer live as the unbelieving Gentiles live. Don't live like unbelief. He says, In the futility of their minds and in the foolishness and emptiness of their souls. Because they're foolish. They, they lack understanding. They like knowledge, and that's part of one of the elements with the study tied to this is foolishness, understanding.